Hello Internet, my name is Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. In this week's Screen Verdict podcast, we're going to be doing yet another film review. Yep, yep, we're going to the movies, while we've already been, because we've got to talk about it now. Yeah, we didn't see this uh, together. I went without you. Yeah. Not because you saw Horrible Bosses without me. <laughs> like, I got over that. It, it yeah. wasn't really related. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we saw it separately, so I'm interested to see well, I saw this movie. Reactions. I saw this movie on my own. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I put a thing out on Facebook, seeing if any of my friends wanted to see it with me. No one, no one got back to me. I hope that's more of a statement on... Uh, my friend's feelings on Woody Allen, Andorra, and Wilson, as opposed to their feelings on seeing a movie with me. Yeah, so it's sort of nice to see a movie on your own. Sort of, you know, I go up to one of the front front rows and just have this huge screen in front of you and no one else is in front of you. Because so. couples aren't allowed in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... Usually when I'm with people, they don't want to sit in the front row. And so when you're on your own, the front's sort of nice because it means it's sort of like since you can't see anyone else in there, it's like you've got the whole cinema to yourself. I kind of feel bad that I made you go on your own now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I uh, was going to get a chalk top, but uh, the, it was the Melbourne Cup horse race yesterday and I lost a little bit of money so that I'll save up the money I lost <laughs> by not getting a chalk top. <laughs> You're either very cheap or lost a lot of money <laughs> on the Melbourne Cup. Eight dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, if I just make it back off, like saving a couple of like shock tops, then <laughs> then it's like I haven't lost anything. <laughs> but anyway, midnight yeah. in Paris. It's currently two p.m. in Australia when yeah. we're recording the podcast. Which makes it four a.m. Paris time. So. A less interesting piece of trivia than yeah. had it been midnight in Paris. Yeah, would have been exciting, um, for sure. Now, this is a Woody Allen movie. Woody Allen, pretty iconic director-writer. He wrote and directed this. What are your thoughts on Woody Allen? Yeah, Woody Allen, very very iconic, very popular indeed. I've seen uh, just a few of his early, early films, such as Annie Hall, and uh, I liked them, but I didn't kind of latch onto the... The popularity, I didn't quite identify with uh, the neuroses that he was putting forward. I thought it was a little irritating at times, but he's definitely uh, definitely very funny, very very quotable mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. If you don't know much about Woody Allen, uh, a story f- from... Uh, uh, I heard from Jason Alexander that was that he got the role on Seinfeld as George mm-hmm. by doing his uh, most blatantly obvious Woody Allen impression mm. and they thought that was hilarious so if you have no idea who he is he's 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 kind of like George from Seinfeld yeah because it was sort of like a higher pitched voice like mm. you know like George like shouts a lot doesn't he yeah he's a little bit more uh, whiny and inward yeah yeah like um I'll try to do an impression of Woody Allen this will be good <laughs> Um, uh, you like, you got the... No, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to see Impressions, watch The Trip. Uh, have you seen yeah. that film? The yeah. Steve Coogan, Rob no. Biden. No. Basically, oh, I, I basically saw just two, right two actors and friends just go on a road trip um, for 90 minutes and just do Impressions the whole time. Uh, they, do, they do a better Woody Allen <laughs> than what you just did. 
Yeah. So hit up YouTube if you want to see a Woody Allen impression or Woody Allen. Yeah, just search. If you're on YouTube, you might as well just look up Woody Allen <laughs> if you want to see what he sounds like. Um, yeah, but uh, very iconic. I loved, I loved the uh, Annie Hall. Uh, that was a great, great little movie. Um, yeah, really funny and sweet and some good observations. And uh, that won Best Picture at the Academy Awards and Best Director. And I think really refreshing choice. You don't usually see a film like that win. Just flat out comedy with sort of, you know, observations like that. Mm. So I really like that. I think of the. I think that was sort of, uh, I know he's quite big in the 70s. Um, had a lot of sort of big films. Um Everything you want to know about sex and we're afraid to ask, bananas and other things like that. Yeah. Um, and from what I've seen, like, I think his other films that I've seen, like, there have been some really funny things in them, but as a whole, they don't really gel brilliantly together. They seem like a lot of stuff thrown together. Where I think Annie Hall was probably his movie where it did gel together and he had a good sort of story and sort of uh, characters that were well defined. And I think that was probably you know, his crowning jewel. Yeah, it's hard to keep the average quality up when you've made, you know, nearly 50 feature films. Yeah. Just keep that prime standard. Yeah. Now, this was, uh, 70s was Woody Allen's, like, time, and sort of in the 90s and stuff, he sort of, like, started to lose his critical appeal and definitely wasn't the beloved director of the critics with the films he was producing then. Now, it seems to me like um, the past 10 years, it seems like every couple of years, Woody Allen brings out a film, and it's declared that Woody Allen is back. <laughs> the return of form of Woody Allen. Um, and it seems like I've got on to the, the, the formula for Woody Allen to get these reviews. Because a couple of years ago, it was the match point that came out was Scarlett Johansson, other people. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, it doesn't really matter once you've got Scarlett. Once you've got Scarlett Johansson, that's the that's the ticket. Match point, which I remember when that first came out in Europe, got very good reviews, and people were like, "Oh, Woody Allen, like he's he's gotten away from New York, where all his other films are set. He's gotten somewhere new and fresh, London, and he's got the got oh brilliant. You know, this is such a different." Woody Allen, like, returned to form. Then it came out in America and didn't get the good reviews. And they went, oh, false alarm, guys. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't the return of Woody Allen. Then he had Christina, Vicky Christina Barcelona. Again, Scarlett Johansson. So you're on a winner there. Um, also, Rebecca Hall and Penelope Cruz. So really, really stellar cast in more ways than one. And I didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, I was a little... I was a little confused. I, I think I might have thought it was the same film as Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> um, I'm not really a fan of uh, three-word non-sequitur titles. <laughs> I just won't watch them. Other than Crazy Stupid Love. <laughs> <laughs> I might podcast on them, but I didn't yeah. actually watch it. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I didn't. Put so much stock in your opinion on that podcast. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Victory, I, I saw that. That was a fun film. I had a lot of fun watching it. wasn't a brilliant film. It wasn't a really funny film. It was just a fun film. I think beautiful city, beautiful ladies, beautiful Javier Bardem if you're into, <laughs> if you're into guys. Lots <laughs> like, of a draw card for me. Um, but, yeah, it was just 
just a really and fun music and stuff like that. I thought that was a fun film, interesting characters and things. But you know, sort of like people when that came out were like, "Ah, oh, Woody Allen, he's back." Uh, he's gotten away from New York in a new place, Barcelona. Yeah, it seems like he's just yeah. touring the world. Yes. <laughs> it's like, we go to London, go to Barcelona, now yeah. we're in Paris. Yeah. So, so now we're hearing Woody Allen's back again. He's in Paris, new location, <laughs> he's free from New York, can do something different. Yeah, it seems like just whenever he picks a new city, he's back. That's all it takes for the critics to declare Woody Allen as being back. I feel like he wants to go on a holiday, but he's contractually obligated to make films. <laughs> yeah. So he's just tried to combine the two. Yes. Exactly. So I've, I liked Annie Hall. I found Vicky Cristina Barcelona fun, but I wouldn't say he's one of my favourites. So I, I don't know what I feel going into this uh, movie on Woody Allen. But there's another guy that this film's pretty, pretty centred on, and that's Owen Wilson. Um, who's the lead actor in it. Woody Allen used to star in all his movies, and now he's gotten to the point where maybe he wants to write movies about 30-somethings, 40-somethings, and he is no longer 30 or 40-somethings, <laughs> so he has to get get your heavy Bardems and uh Well, let's be honest, Woody Allen was never a heavy Bardem. <laughs> but getting your heavy Bardems and Owen Wilson's to, to play the main character. And um, So what what do you think about Owen Wilson? Um, I'm a bit of a fan of Owen Wilson. Um, I think particularly through his works with Wes Anderson. You know, I'm a pretty... Yeah, you love your Wes Anderson. And you say it with such enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Wes Anderson is one of my absolute uh, top favourite directors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Owen Wilson's actually co- co-written some of those scripts. Mm. So, um, yeah, an extra tick for him. Mm. So, not all of his movies are great, but even in his... Uh, sort of silly comedies, I usually think Owen Wilson's one of the, the better parts of them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite a fan. Now, this is our second Owen Wilson film podcast. The first was obviously uh, Cars 2. So it's <laughs> a bumper year for Owen Wilson. <laughs> um, two two roles that, that merit a podcast from us. If there's a sequel to Midnight in Paris, can he expect to be almost completely cut from it? I feel like in the sequel to Midnight in Paris, Larry the Cable Guy will be very, very well out of it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Owen Wilson, I find him really annoying. <laughs> I don't really... Uh, nothing personal, just his characters and he seems quite whiny and... Um, yeah, just... Should, should fit a Woody Allen film. Yeah, then. well, actually, watching the trails, I did think... I usually don't like Owen Wilson, but it seems like he he does this quite well. Like, I, I could see myself liking him in this. So, yeah, I I find Owen Wilson annoying. I don't really like him. I don't find much screen charisma there. I just find him sort of more dry and just sort of his blank face. Like, <laughs> doesn't really have much expression. I just He does that thing where he just, like, mouths open just a little bit, like... I don't know. Anyway. I thought you were going to do the face like without explaining it. Like you're just looking at me doing the face and I'm like, the listeners can't see the face on the podcast. But anyway, not a huge Owen Wilson fan, but I was, I was prepared to get my guns. So now let's talk about the movie. What, what was the plot to this film, Jono? We have Owen Wilson, who seems to be a relatively successful screenwriter in Hollywood. Yeah. And 
he has come uh, to Paris with his, is it fiancé or girlfriend? Fiancé. Fiancé. Like, they're planning the wedding and things. While yeah, played by Rachel McAdams. And so while, it, while in Paris, Owen Wilson wants to uh, write a novel. He wants to... Because he, he's starting to consider his career to be a little bit shallow and he wants to pursue a bit of more of a literary career. He's a bit of a Debbie Downer, <laughs> Owen Wilson. Like, oh, come dancing with us. No, I don't want to go dancing with you. I, I just want to walk on my own. Like, he's like a little... A little bit of a downer. Like, a little bit of pessimism. Oh, I wish I was around in the 20s. I, wish I don't... I, don't I wouldn't say he's a downer. I think he's just interested in different things. Because I think he appreciates the culture and the history a bit more of the, the city. Whereas... Uh, his fiance just wants to buy expensive things and go to all the cool parties. Okay, but yeah, not not Mister Positive. Yeah, and so yeah, he he ends up leaving uh, a party on his own to walk mm-hmm. through the uh, the city at midnight. He keeps yeah. on talking about Paris at midnight and Paris in the rain and yeah. when it's most beautiful. And uh, when he does this, he ends up getting into a cab. The results of which were a little unclear. Yeah. I, I how, how did you interpret the events of what happens okay. after he gets into this cab? Okay, well, he's taken to a party, and he meets up with some people in the party who are, like, famous literary figures and things. Uh, Ernest, is it Hemingway? Or, uh, yeah, Hemingway. Uh, You've got F. Scott Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald. He meets up with these people. Now, I assume that this is some sort of uh, club where people pretend to be uh, living in the 20s. Uh, like, they, they sort of have a bit of fun in Paris. It's a, sort of Americans in Paris who dress up and do fancy dress and play characters and sort of, you know, have a bit of fun. Um, and it's sort of like a, a, weird, a weird but innocent club. Um, uh, yeah, but after a bit of time passed, it became apparent that that is not what this was. Yeah, what were your initial thoughts on this sort of thing? Yeah, I thought it uh, like you could have been the fancy dress party mm. or something. But yeah. when they maintain uh, the character, I I thought that Owen Wilson was just imagining it because mm. um, maybe he's had a bit to drink and mm. gone and got carried away. I guess a, I guess a, 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 an elaborate yet wholesome role play. Yeah, yeah, is and what I was thinking. So he leaves this bar. And then decides he has something to say to something, someone and goes back. And then within just those few seconds, the place is now like a, a laundromat. A laundromat. Mm. So this kind of... Although uh, it's, it would be quite hard to explain the logic or science of time travel, mm. it doesn't really offer an explanation at all, no. which kind of made me lean towards it was in his mind. Yeah. But as we go on throughout the film, he seems kind of... It, it, it doesn't, like, his psychological state isn't, doesn't really become questioned in the film. We just kind no. of assume that this is actually happening. Yes, they want us to buy into him going back to the 1920s. And maybe it's better that they don't offer an explanation because we're probably not going to buy any explanation. We would offer. be picking apart any yeah. explanation they <laughs> offer for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so this was very uh, interesting. And the main premise of the film, that he goes, during the days in... Paris in the 2000s and during the 90s in 1920s Paris with all these famous figures. I guess interesting that Paris, I find very hard to tell 
the difference between in the 1920s and the <laughs> thousands. Um, seems like nothing's changed much. Around these parts where we live, um, yeah. someone might talk about how so we've got a we've got a house in my street. It's it's so old. It's been there for over sixty years. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas in uh, Paris, many of the mm. the uh, buildings remain from eighteen nineteen hundreds, and so yeah, the 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 time jump is mm. not obvious because a lot of the the setting mm. is uh, seems familiar. Yeah. It's interesting how the time travel worked because he really wanted to go to 1920s Paris. It seems like it, whatever where you want to go, it takes you. Yeah, that is the theme of the film. Yeah, uh, he's writing a book about someone who works in a nostalgia shop, and yeah. he's always talking about how great it would have been to mm. live in the 1920s, and then that's what he gets to experience. Yeah. Now it's not just he gets to live in the 1920s, but there's a girl. In the 1920s. Does it does it officially count as two-timing if you are going out with one woman in the 1920s and one woman in 2010? Like, I guess it's not at the same time. I would say probably not officially, because I yeah. would imagine no official uh, rules on the matter <laughs> would account for time travel. <laughs> But I think if you were to ask most people, they probably would consider it to be cheating. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably fair. Were you disappointed with this time travel to not see a DeLorean? Because <laughs> I was a little disappointed. <laughs> I was a little disappointed not to see a hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have liked to see the Doc um, <laughs> from Back to the Future and the DeLorean rock up in Paris at midnight. Go. Great, Scott! Get in the time machine, Owen Wilson! we are got to go back to the 20s! <laughs> um, I think if we're talking time travel movies, we've got a, uh, I would have liked to have seen a, an appearance from Bill and Ted. Dropping it in the phone booth. <laughs> Whoa, dude. We're in the 20s. Bogus. <laughs> we also got... um. Oh, and also this film starring Rachel McAdams, otherwise known as The Time Traveler's Wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a thing for people traveling in time. <laughs> she loves it. Yeah, so... um. I yeah, picked out. That. No, that was good. Yeah, so there we go. Like uh, a lot of time travel. This was probably on the more boring end of the time travel. Still, if you've got a thing for Rachel McAdams, yeah, try and learn how to travel in time. Yes, for sure. A tip and pretty good looking lady. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, not a bad strategy. She'd love the doc. <laughs> She'd love Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. <laughs> So speaking of Rachel McAdams, yeah, uh, were you a fan of her in the film? You're not meant to like her in the film. She did the role she's meant to do fine. Yeah, I thought she was perhaps a little too one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. just kind of is complains a lot, is a bit yeah. bitchy, and you didn't really yeah. see much of another side of her. I'd blame the director 
slash writer for that more than Rachel McAdams. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the performance I, I, was fine, but yeah, the character yeah. was a bit... I completely agree with you on that. She um, bumps into an old friend in Paris, or I don't know if it's an old friend or a current friend, but uh, played by Michael Sheen, mm. who also, I guess, knows a little... Well, in 30 Rock, he went to see the hot tub time machine. <laughs> so he's got some <laughs> some time machine connection. Um, but Michael Sheen was in it too. What did what do you think of him? Um, I'm quite a big Michael Sheen fan. I very much enjoyed him in the greatest season of 30 Rock, season yeah. four. <sighs> he was the best thing about 30 Rock season <laughs> four. Um, for sure. Yeah, so we're in agreement. We said different things, but... Uh, we, I can we, read in between the we lines, agree, we, we agree that Michael Sheen was great in 30 Rock Season 4. Yeah, and that he also appeared in lesser works, such as <laughs> The Queen, The Damned United, and Frost Nixon. Now, I usually don't like biopics. Mm. I just feel like it's just so... I've seen just so many of them. They're all so similar... I, I just do not like biopics generally, but I really liked him in The Queen, and he was playing Tony Blair in that. I really liked him in Frost Nixon when he was... I thought he was great in both of those, and, like, so the fact that he was able to... Like, I was able to love him in those means not only he's probably picking well-written biopics, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's, a, he's an actor I've got a lot of respect for, that Michael Sheen. Not to be confused with Martin Sheen, who I also have a lot of respect for. <laughs> the second greatest television actor of all time. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Marty Sheen, Michael Sheen, don't get him confused. Um, but what do you think of Michael Sheen in the film? At first I was finding it a little strange because he was putting on an American accent. Yeah, he's British. And... Uh, because I'm so accustomed mm. to that accent, because in some of the roles he's played, his character, his voice, has actually been a a defining part of the role. Yes, uh, and, and even in American stuff, he has played British people. 30 Rock, he's a British... So he, it's not like he's someone we see all the time doing an American accent. Yeah, that was the premise of all the jokes in 30 Rock, yeah. how British he was. Yes. So to see him putting on an American accent was a little strange. Uh, it kind of threw me for the first few minutes he was in the film. But he did it well. No. Yeah, I think he has such a distinct voice. I swear there were like one or two moments okay. where it just kind okay. of dropped back. I, I wouldn't yeah. say this to his face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it was poor. I just thought it was a strange choice yeah. um, to get him to play an, an American. Uh, but anyway, his character I thought was quite funny because he's just uber pretentious and mm. uh you can imagine you you get these kind of characters walking around paris pretending to know uh everything uh that they mm. like in in all the museums just giving lecture after lecture yeah. on mm. on where this came from and this and that and i thought he he provided quite a nice opposition to uh mm. Owen wilson's character do you think perhaps that if we were to he sort of plays the Ted Danson role in Kerber Enthusiasm <laughs> in Midnight in Paris. Um, yeah, okay. He gets on well with the wife. 
He's always <laughs> undercutting the protagonist. <laughs> He's got this happy sort of trying to be helpful attitude, though. Like, I definitely thought of Ted Danson in Curb when I was watching Michael Sheen in this movie. All right, so let's talk about the the story. We won't spoil yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. spoil where it goes, but mm-hmm. were you happy with how things developed? With the twists and turns to keep you entertained? Do you think it was an interesting story? Yeah, sort of, yeah. <laughs> Just sort of? <laughs> but I want to say, like, um, I don't want to give my verdict yet. <laughs> like I don't too close to the verdict. All right, yeah, I don't enough. know. Yeah, that's what I just yeah. Okay, well, I thought it kept up quite a fast pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was ninety minutes, and uh, I never really felt like I was getting bored. I was always interested. I would say one complaint I had was that it was uh, a little bit of the same thing, kind of repeated. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was just kind of one message that the film. Yeah. had to convey. And that's okay. I, I, I like that it didn't try to say, pretend that it had more to say than it did. Mm-hmm. But it kind of just had this one theme that you I think you already kind of understood throughout the film. And then when it kind of was presented in a sort of a reveal towards the end, I was kind of like, okay, yeah. That was very hokey, the way <laughs> they... He learnt his lesson. Mm. You know... Yeah, I thought that was, that was very hokey. And I, I sort of... I really liked the premise and thought it was a nice little cute idea. But the novelty sort of wore off for me as the film went on. Like, by... Like, um... I don't know. Maybe it would have made a better short film? Than a... Not, I, and I don't think it dragged. Like, it weren't boring bits, but I just, like... It was a bit tiring, the, the, the premise. I guess, um... What... What about all the, uh, are you fans of any of the literary influences or, like, the Hemingways or the Fitzgeralds? Like, was that cool for you? Yeah, this played a quite a, a prominent role in the film, these literary mm-hmm. characters and references. And I think, unless you're mm-hmm. quite a fan of literature, you might find this a little heavy. Mm-hmm. You might think that the filmmaker's being... Trying to be a little too clever, like, mm-hmm. oh, look yeah. how many things I've read, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. quite knowledgeable. Yeah. I would say I read a reasonable amount, and I'd say of the references, I'd probably uh, had heard of about two-thirds or so, like mm-hmm. there were some things I, I just didn't recognise, and of of those, I'd probably actually uh, read works by about half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I felt like I was relatively clued into the, the mm-hmm. sort of in-jokes, but I felt other people might found that a bit irritating. Yeah, like, I'm not a big reader. Like, I obviously knew the names of all the people. I uh, didn't know much about them. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't... It didn't lose me or anything. I, I was able to follow it and find it interesting. Um, like, maybe you could argue it's a bit pretentious and showing off, but, like, that's Woody Allen. Like... You got Woody Allen yeah. in Paris. You'd have to expect at least a mild level of pretentiousness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like if you okay, let's say you're Owen Wilson, right? <laughs> yeah. Would you choose to stay in the twenties, or would you choose to live in 2010? If I am Owen Wilson's character, or am I me? You're you. Well, they don't have PlayStation 3 in the 1920s, so that's, that's yeah. quite an easy choice. 
Yeah. They don't have podcasting. Yeah. We wouldn't have our hundreds of... <laughs> yeah, I'd have to fight a new... <laughs> dying fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> yeah, and how about you? Well, um, I... Uh, well, it's tough. Because it seems like in 1920s, I've got a pretty good shot with Marion Cotillard. <laughs> um, and that's quite... Uh, yeah, so... And I get to hang out with celebrities and famous people. Maybe... You know, it seems like I, I, I've got good access to that. Uh, Kathy Bates's Gertrude Schreiner, like a Stein, a, Stein a, a book publisher. So I might be able to get a book published that becomes pretty famous. Like, yeah, it seems when you travel back, you don't just hang out with like all the industrial workers. Yeah. Like, it's only the famous people that seem to hang out in these, yeah, these 1920s bars. bars. Yeah. So that's quite appealing. <laughs> But I do, like, um, yeah, like, the TV wasn't as good back then, because they, <laughs> they didn't have it. Um, there was no Ted Danson. No Ted Danson to watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, sort of, like, I guess, for personal life, it, it's better, for sure. But for entertainment, <laughs> a lot worse. I think Owen Wilson's got a pretty sweet deal where he can kind of go back and forth. Yeah. I'd probably be keeping that double life up. Um, <laughs> I imagine perhaps over a longer course of time, a double life might become harder to sustain. Especially uh, the lack of sleep he's getting. Because <laughs> he's <laughs> not sleeping at all. <laughs> that is a pretty sweet deal. Like, uh, like, you could just live in the 1920s and then just you know, go on a couple of holidays to 2010. <laughs> That's probably the way to play it. <laughs> Marry uh, Marion Cotillard in the 1920s. Maybe take, I don't know, can you take her with you in the future? It seems like you can't really go into the future. Uh, he doesn't yeah, take I'm any sure. parents back with him. No. He's not like, I'm from 2010, man, come back with me. I'll show you, show, show you, show you a Yoho Diablo or <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. The pinnacle <laughs> of the 21st century achievement. Yoho <laughs> <Yo>, Diablo. <laughs> oh, that's something that, like, is, like, at least, like, 10 years past its prime. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I guess that's the thing. I think Marion Cotillard is definitely a better partner than Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Anyway... I guess uh, Owen Wilson's golden age was the 1920s in Paris. Let's say you have this ability to go back in time to your golden age in the city of your choice. What would you choose? Do I have to go back in time or can I go forward in time? I think you have to go back in time. I think that's how this works. And I think also we don't know forward in time, but we know a bit about back in time. Well, uh, I don't know, but I'd say I'd like to have a positive view of humanity and say that we're constantly progressing forward. Yep. I'd like to think that the best time to be living is always the present. Uh, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so I don't think I, I would go back in time. I think I've 
come to rely on too many things in modern life that I wouldn't have. But let's just say, what's your golden age is the question. (laughs) If I was doing a podcast and the person next to me was getting tired of not answering the question, and I was forced to Yeah, just say say what your golden age is. This will be an interesting point of discussion. I'd say perhaps the late 60s, because that was when a lot of Musical movements were going okay. on that I'm quite yeah. a fan of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Vietnam. Well, no, I wouldn't go to, you know, Vietnam. I'd yeah. live in a cosy suburban yeah. house in LA and just go to Bob Dylan and Captain Beefheart gigs. And then cut your arm off when the number comes up. <laughs> like, um, but anyway. So... <laughs> If you didn't like my answer, you shouldn't have forced me to pick one. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, I was just being a douche. Um, the, like, the 60s are appealing. You know I'm a big fan of the Mad Men. <laughs> yeah. uh, it does look like 1960s New York was pretty happening time. It seemed like, you know, a lot of people walking around with fedoras. Um, smoking wasn't bad for you. Lots of women sort of wearing nice clothes, um, you know, good time. Uh, but in all seriousness, that, that was probably a time of a lot of, a lot of objectification of women, <laughs> a lot of, uh, dry, uh, cigarette and alcohol abuse. Um, Vietnam obviously became a bit of an issue later on the day. So I'm not sure that would be my golden age. I'm thinking, what about, this could be a bit controversial. What about like, uh, the early 90s in New York City. That could be cool. Like, some of the, like, uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David were doing the comedy clubs and things like that. That could have been a cool time. Clinton was president, so the economy was pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, the 90s has... I guess that was something we lived through, so we've got to have some... Uh, on the one hand, might seem like a bit of a waste. Uh, yeah. On the other, I suppose it has some nostalgic value for us. There'll be a lot, like the first video games we played. Like imagine how cool like Super Mario would have been like when that first came out, and yeah. all our favorite you know kids TV shows. Yeah, um, I was thinking more like the the stand up comedy scene in New York City, which is something well, <laughs> I wasn't a part of back then. Yeah, well, I was just talking about nostalgia. I don't oh, know. okay, okay. But yes, there are other. I'm yeah. sure not everyone was a child in the yeah. 90s, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so there's our golden age. Um, you were late 60s California. I was 90s New York City. Um, yeah, I've actually been in Paris at midnight and, like, none of this, like, time travel stuff has happened. So <laughs> <laughs> midnight in Paris is uh, it's not a description of what actually happens in midnight in Paris yeah I'm sure there's clubs and stuff in Paris and there's a bit of a scene but like where I was at midnight in Paris it was pretty dead just people people heading back to like their hotels and stuff at, at midnight yeah I have I also have uh, been at New York at, at midnight on my own walked through Central Park at about 2am and unfortunately, no cars came up and asked me to get in <laughs> to take me back to the 1990s. Uh, when you kind of paused halfway through that <laughs> sentence, I was like, I think that's fortunate that no car 
while you're on your own in New York, just pulled up and told you to get in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Wilson, very lucky to be alive. <laughs> like, he's just breaking all the rules. Yeah. So what's your verdict on the film, Jonathan? What do you think? I think the film was, was fun. I think it was quite fast-paced. It had some interesting things, well, thing to say. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it sort of took a bit of a different slant on time travel. Like, it wasn't mm. uh, your usual take on that genre, uh, yeah. if you will. I don't know how to quite, if I quite represented this in the review, but it was funny. I think the the hit rate of the jokes was quite good. I felt they kept the jokes coming at like a reasonable rate. And I thought at least four or five times I laughed quite hard. And I think that was a combination of uh, the writing and uh, also Owen Wilson. I thought thought he he suited the the character in this film very well. (laughs) Yeah, no, he did. So, yeah, I was actually... Considering that I'm not the the biggest Woody Allen fan, and this isn't supposed to be his uh, prime filmmaking era, I was I was very pleased with the film. Yeah, um, yeah, there's definitely things to like about it. It was funny. I didn't find it quite as funny as you, but I still found it funny. Uh, I think Owen Wilson did do well. Um, I found his character was a little pretentious, and I think the yeah, I really liked the time travel at first. I thought it was a really cool little sweet thing that was sort of done in an understated way. But then it just, the novelty wore off for me, and by the end of the film, I was like, hmm, may have worked better as a short film. But I still found it really good, and a really nice little film, and there's definitely plenty to like about it. Um, I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. It was a good film to see. So what's our final ratings for the okay, what are we for Midnight giving in Paris? Stars, or numbers, or... I think recently we've been doing out of ten, so let's, let's maintain okay. that... I'd give this one out of ten. Six. Six. So that's lower than your crazy stupid love score. Oh, sorry, seven. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I've given something else a 6.5. <laughs> I think I preferred that to this. But then when you said crazy stupid love, I was going, no, I definitely didn't prefer that to this. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll give it a seven. I, I think this is probably, possibly the best comedy of the year. I'm yeah. going to give this an 8 out of 10. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I, I'm rather split between this and Horrible Bosses. I think this will be the critical favourite. Yeah. I think this will be the uh, film fans, critics, makers... This could get reference. a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars. Uh, yeah, it is the, the, the type of film yeah. that will appeal to the Academy. I think if I had to pick right now, I might pick Horrible Bosses. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because that was more my kind of thing, and it, I think it maintained the uh, the action and the comedy. I laughed more in Horrible Bosses. Yeah. Uh, it'd be a little reluctant to say this was a worse film than Horrible Bosses, but <laughs> probably I did prefer Horrible Bosses. But yeah, either way, it's yeah. uh, it's quite up there for me, and I definitely yeah. recommend it to the the Screen Verdict audience. Yeah, mm. yeah no, for sure. Check it out, guys. Uh, See if you can find someone to go see it with you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Now, we've got some exciting news for fans of the podcast. Indeed, we do. Yeah, because in the last week, 
we have uh, launched a Screen Verdict Facebook fan page. And launched it has. Yeah. Uh, we have about 40, 37 people like it. Um, and we haven't even promoted it yet on the podcast. Yeah, that was... Um, you guys have been supporting the uh, the podcast quite well. We've had our first podcast hit over 100 downloads. Yes, that's the uh, the MTV Video Music Award podcast, uninterrupted by Kanye West. We're uh, probably averaging about... Uh, probably close to 80. So what that means is about half of you haven't liked the <laughs> Facebook page yet. Yeah. Which I'm okay with because you might not have known about it until now. Um, yeah, so like that, uh, the, the communities and get involved. Like you can, there's a wall there which you're allowed to post on. Like we're, yeah, people might some, be wondering why should we like yeah, the Facebook yeah. page? Uh, there's some pages I think for things where people who like it can't post on the wall. It's only the the person who owns the. Yeah, okay, but no, we fans can post on the wall. It's a page for the people. Yeah, we will each week post um, a, a a comment on the wall saying what our next podcast is going to be, and you can under that post any questions, thoughts, comments you have for that podcast, and we will address. Pretty much all of those comments, uh, I guess if we were to get 50, we might have to choose. But as long as we get a, a, a you know, we if we only get a couple, we'll definitely address all of them. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have polls, we'll post polls up there that you can vote on and we'll read out the results on the, on the podcast. We really want involvement. And just on the wall, post suggestions, what you'd like us to podcast about. Definitely. Yeah. So it's a it's making the uh, the screen verdict experience more interactive. <laughs> I've noticed uh, we've got a few comments on some of the podcasts already. <laughs> Borna Robai loves Mad Men. Yeah. That's what we like to hear. I don't I don't know why, but yeah. thanks for the comment. No, regardless, and um, uh, Maddie Fowler <laughs> seems to uh, have been the real standout on the Facebook fan page so far because he's liked quite a few of the podcasts. <laughs> Um, and he's got the comment uh, for the Pixar one, which is our very first podcast. Are the memories of watching this classic listening? Smiley face. Yeah, smiley face. I hope when he says, are the memories of watching this... He doesn't mean... He doesn't mean <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that would reflect very poorly <laughs> on his uh, taste. Um, <laughs> I hope he's talking about the podcast. Um <laughs> But no, we love you, Matt Fowler. <laughs> um, great job, great job. Um, keep keep it up, keep it up. So there you go, the Facebook fan page. Very exciting. We're going to do yep. a podcast next week. Journey ideas. I have no ideas. So fan page, get on it. <laughs> there's your there's your there's your task for the week, fans. Give us a good suggestion. So until then, enjoy your week, and yeah. uh, we'll see you next podcast. See ya. Bye.